Every work team has moments of conflict and dysfunction. Sometimes productive conflict is a necessary part of wrestling through big ideas to get to the best possible outcome. But sometimes our teams become mired in conflict that is entirely avoidable because it's based in vastly different communication styles or different motivations and misunderstandings. Enter the Enneagram. The Enneagram offers not only self-awareness, but also curiosity and deeper understanding of others. I teach the Enneagram and consult with teams to improve their communication styles, conflict effectiveness, and self-leadership, all of which foster highly engaged and high-performing teams. During a recent team event, I heard over and over, this just makes so much sense when they looked around the room and saw who was fitting within each type. And now I know why this person asked so many questions or this depersonalizes some of the conflict we've been having because I can tell we're just coming from different perspectives. So now that we know where we are, we can see how we can get aligned. So if you're looking for ongoing support or simply considering an engaging introspective module for your team's offsite or event, let's talk. Reach out to the Nine Types team at hello at ninetypes.co or schedule a one-on-one consultation with me on my website, ninetypes.co. And now on to the show. Hello and welcome back to Enneagram in Real Life, a podcast that will help you go beyond Enneagram theory into practical understanding so that you can apply the Enneagram in your day-to-day life. I'm your host, Steph Baron Hall, creator of Nine Types Co. on Instagram, author of the Enneagram in Love, accredited Enneagram professional, and any curious human just like you. Be sure to check out the show notes for more ways to apply the Enneagram in your daily life. Thanks so much for listening and now on to the show. Welcome back to Enneagram IRL, and I'm so excited to share today's episode with you. But before we get to that, I wanted to share a couple of other little pieces of news about what's happening in my world um, and in the world of Nine Types Co. So um, this week, we have our gift guides back. This is our fourth or fifth year. I've kind of lost track of putting these guides together. So I really hope you love them. I hope you find them really interesting and exciting. And so you can find those over at my website, ninetypes.co, and you can click in the gift guides link in the menu, or you'll find the direct link in the show notes. So that's the first thing. The second thing is that you may have already seen this on Instagram, but really exciting news for me, I am writing another book. So I am working hard on this book. I've been writing it already for a couple of months, have a few more months to go before I turn in this manuscript. And I don't have release dates or working titles or anything like that just yet, but this is what I can tell you without a doubt. I am very passionate about this book. I love writing about applying the Enneagram in our lives. The theory of the Enneagram is important, but learning without application kind of misses the entire point, as I'm sure you can glean from this podcast and um, the other things that I do in the the Enneagram world, that I just love talking about, okay, so what? What do we actually do with it? Like, what are we going to do with this information? So over the years, I've actually found that some aspects of using the Enneagram come naturally for a lot of us, but in other areas, we need a little bit more help. So this book will act as a guide on your inner work journey, helping you see parts of yourself you've ignored, illuminating the strategies you've needed to make it through life, and finding new ways forward with awareness and self-compassion. So I always aim to make my writing really clear and conversational. And the same will be true with this project. So I'm really honored to share that I have signed with Harper One Publishing um, for this book. And I'm so excited to join their list of really amazing authors that you've probably heard of, like Helen Palmer and David Daniels and Ian Morgan Cron and all of these other amazing Enneagram authors who have published with Harper One over the years. So I'm thrilled to be able to share that with you. And with that said, I will be taking a bit of a break from the podcast because I'm so intent on writing a good book and I don't want to have any sort of, you know, other things competing for my time and energy. Um, So I'll take a bit of a break, but we'll be back soon with some more interviews and, and other episodes. And if you have any episode requests, any interview requests you'd love, or, or you just want to 
you know, share what type of episodes you've, you've loved the most, feel free to shoot me a DM on Instagram at nine types co. And I would love, love, love to hear from you. Um, so thank you so much for your time and attention. I'm really honored that you choose to spend time with me each week. And I want to share with you a little bit more about today's episode. So today's episode is actually a recording from a live interview I did about six months ago with another Enneagram practitioner named Nikki Myers. So you'll hear a few different things. Um, She'll mention, you know, our callers or or these other things. So just FYI that I'm sharing um, something that was live. It's not live as I'm obviously sharing it now. Um, But Nikki Myers is a certified Enneagram practitioner with a serious passion for helping people be the very best version of themselves each and every day by cultivating self-awareness and a space for growth. She works one-on-one with individuals, with couples, and professionally with teams and leaders. She spent almost 20 years working in leadership development, incorporating the teachings of the Enneagram and emotional intelligence to create high-performing teams and leaders. Nikki is also an Enneagram prison project guide and works with inmates across the U.S. to understand themselves. She focuses her work with others on what is right about us and not just highlighting our blind spots. Nikki owns her own practice, Pura Vida Coaching and Development, with the name coming from the Costa Rican term meaning pure life, a saying she deeply believes in and lives by. And she is an Enneagram 7. On this episode, we're just kind of doing a a deep dive on what the Enneagram is. We don't go too deeply into any of the types, but talk about it more conceptually. And it was just a really great conversation. And so I'm really excited to share it with you. And this is actually coming from Nikki's live radio show, which is called The Traveling Enneagram, because as we discussed in today's episode, Nikki is living that nomadic life. She lives in an RV where sometimes people call it a camper. um, And she travels around with her husband and they just live their lives out of this RV. And it's, it's pretty awesome. So I will link to the rest of her episodes in the show notes. This specific episode I'm airing today was called Enya What? Your Road Trip to Self-Discovery, Compassion, and Growth. And it aired on Thursday, April 21st, 2022. So without further ado, let's dive into today's episode and hear from Nikki. It's not really so much an interview as it is a conversation, but it's all about the Enneagram growth, how we're applying these things in our lives. And I really hope you love this episode. Steph and I are going to just have, uh, like I said, a really high level dialogue around around the Enneagram and 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 sort of, again, that really high level view. So um, I guess the the first and probably most important question to ask. So Steph, let's pretend you are in an elevator and you are mm-hmm. getting ready to go up to the, we'll say, hundredth floor. And somebody asks you when you get in, so what's the Enneagram anyway? What would mm-hmm. be that elevator speech? What would you tell all the, another um, newfangled term, all the noobs out there, <laughs> the Enneagram? Well, like I said, I did one time have to do this live and I had 60 seconds to explain each of the nine Enneagram types. So 60 seconds total for all nine types. Don't know how I did it, but I do remember rehearsing that multiple times. But generally, I say the Enneagram is a personality framework. I don't love to use the the word personality with it because I think it's so much more than that. But that's the way that we think about it, right? So it's a personality framework oriented around nine core types. And each of the types um, is really about a core motivation. Um, And and so it has sort of the structure around it. um, And it's meant to be used to really uncover blind spots and grow in self-awareness, grow in empathy and to have more of that spiritual development side and personal connection with ourselves and with others around us. Uh, you made it to the hundredth floor. Nice well, job. Yeah. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> and I couldn't agree with you more, I think. And we'll, we'll kind of cover off on what it's not in a second here. But, um, but I like that a lot, that it really, it looks at the motivation for your behavior and how to exactly what you said, see your behavior in action. And, and, and I think have the opportunity to dive into that a little bit deeper and start questioning, like, where does that come from? If, you know, for example, if I'm feeling angry or sad, where, where is that? And, and is it really directed in the way that I am letting it come out? And from that point, we can have amazing growth points. So, mm-hmm. um, so then I think the next question becomes then, what do you think is a, a misconception about what the Enneagram is? 
Yeah. I mean, to me, there are a couple different things. So one, I think people sometimes think of it like um, almost like an aura type of thing Mm -hmm. where, you know, you'll meet somebody, say it's that same person in the elevator and they'll say, so what's my type? And I'm like, it, it always makes me laugh just because I have this background of the complexity of it. But I think there's this assumption that somebody like me or like you who has studied this like in depth and and hours and hours and hours and hours and worked with so many people could just like divine somebody's type. Um, so I think that's a big misconception. And it's like, well, actually, it's not that that simple. And And for me, I really always want my clients to go back to themselves you know, to truly find their type. And so I, I really want to empower them to see what their type is beneath the surface. And also, I will say another big misconception um, is just that it's like kind of fluffy, that you can just kind of use it, you know, to order a latte or, um, you know, any of these other you know, like to decorate your home, like any of these other silly ways. And sure, those things are fun sometimes. but that's not what I'm interested in, you know, when it comes to personal development or or that sort of thing. Yeah. And, and, uh, I think I just saw like a, a, a paint company came out with the colors for the different Enneagram types. And it's, mm-hmm. you know, like you said, it's cute, but I think we kind of live in this, in this society now where people take like Buzzfeed quizzes to find out what kind of coffee they are, um, or what kind of Disney villain or what Disney villain I am. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like we, we get so trapped in by, um, this like identification with something. Right. And I think one of the, and you probably have felt the same way. One of the most profound lessons that I have learned and that we certainly both teach is that your type is the box that you're in, right? That you get the opportunity by learning all of this stuff about yourself and other people, but learning how you can integrate into the other eight types and you get to be this whole full human being. Like you aren't just a type, whatever you are, you are you, you are a human. Um, and by the way, um, my Disney villain who I would love to be is, uh, Ursula. And not I somehow need her trying to say that. Is it? It's my eye makeup, isn't it? <laughs> it is. It must be. And then that's exactly why I don't want to take anybody's voice away like she does with Ariel. I just I really like her eye makeup. Her hair is great. Her outfits are phenomenal. And so um, that's I I actually took the test repeatedly until I got Ursula because then I felt like I could identify with her and that would be the end of that. But um, but I think the other thing, too. Um, is that, you know, the word Enneagram, it's not a, it, it has a rich history and meaning and it combines philosophy and, and math and psychology and all this stuff. But at the end of the day, Enneagram means nine pointed diagram. <laughs> like it's not yeah. this like crazy word. You can associate spirituality with it. You can associate, um, uh, leadership principles and how to learn yourself in that way to be a leader. You can associate it with clearing your chakras. There's so many things you can do with it, but that's all auxiliary to what it is at its core. And that's you, right? Right. Yeah. And I think the thing that I love to focus on is looking at it in terms of the essence of the types and and really thinking, and I'm sure that you know you'll dive into this in, in later episodes, but when we think about what is the virtue of each type and returning to the essence is often like really living out that virtue. Um, And so it's really not so much about figuring out, you know, how to somehow morph your personality to fit. It's, it's really about like understanding how your personality structure that has kept you safe all these years is actually now keeping you stuck and we need to kind of painfully and but and, and slowly develop and chip away at that so that that essence that soft center of who you truly are can be released and when we put it that way i think sometimes that scares people off yeah right because yeah. it is very like it sounds very ethereal almost like woo woo mm-hmm. um but it is like you're saying that that blend of um, psychological development and spiritual development and and all these different things in, in terms of inner work and 
when we just throw it around or make it a party trick, I think we miss that. And that's the entire like transformative power of this tool. And I think the reason that people, you know, so many people like us, I'm sure the people listening to are so fascinated by it because mm-hmm. there's so much more beneath the surface beyond the descriptors. Yeah. And I, I think you may have seen what I was going to be talking about prior to this. Wink, <laughs> wink. <laughs> but that leads me into the next point then. How do you feel um, the Enneagram is different than all of these other, uh, quote, personality assessments that are available? Mm-hmm. What do you think? I think that the biggest difference is that so many of the other assessments describe us mm-hmm. and they can be used really effectively in the workplace, especially, you know, um, things that are more behavioral, like even like DISC, for example, um, in the workplace can be really helpful because, you know, you don't have to go that deep in order to get some results from that. Um, but when we're looking at the Enneagram, it's really about the personal transformation and getting beneath the surface. Um, I think it's easy for me to want to look at how I'm not quite there yet, how I'm not quite measuring up yet. And so I think that's what attracted me to the Enneagram because I was pretty quickly able to see like the blind spots. Um, And it was painful for sure. Like I definitely felt very exposed, but it also kind of gives you that path to growth, right? It it just inherently within the system and within the symbol, it has, you know, that growth path laid out for you. So I think that's one of the biggest differences, I, I haven't really come across many tools that are as growth-oriented as the Enneagram is. Of course, I'm sure you've seen this, we can get really into just using it to describe ourselves, you know, yes, and using all the so. different um, little pieces to to really get granular on our ourselves and our type. But what I'm really interested in is, you know, okay, that's showing up for you in your life. And now what? What are you going to do with it? You know? Mm-hmm. What's that next step for you? Yeah, I saw, um, I saw, a, a, okay, it was a sentence. I read a sentence somewhere <laughs> that said the Enneagram is like the ecology of who you are, where it really puts together, um, it looks at your biology. So like your genetic like disposition and, and who you are. It looks at the psychology of how you think and feel. And then it looks at the sociology of um, how do you fit? How do you play with other people or not in some cases? Mm-hmm. But it just, you know, one of the, again, one of the things I love about having learned about all of this stuff and truth be told, in my previous career, we did teach some of those things like DISC and Clifton mm-hmm. Strengths, and we learned about MBTI. And I think they all have a place. They all have, like you said, they, they give you descriptors. They give you things that you can think about. I didn't need to tell anybody that communication was one of my top five strengths because I'm an <laughs> oxygen vampire. I already know that, but it was good to know to be able to call out to other people. Um, so it's valuable, but this is the opportunity to really see yourself holistically. And I think exactly what you said, that sort of um, shadow side um, of of our ourselves and the ways in which we get in our way, you can't if you know the good things about yourself or if you know just the topical things about yourself, then where does the work come in? How do you get the chance to say like, you know, this is how I communicate and now what do I get to do with that? That's, you know, the roadmap that the Enneagram can help you see is those exactly like you said, the blind spots, the things that get in your way that have been so much of who you are, were since the very beginning that, um, you don't, you just think it's who you are. Like, this is how I've always been. It's my personality, but um, I have four dogs and one of them is 12 and he is absolutely capable of learning new things, such as be nice to your new brother, um, who's <laughs> not yet two. But we all have the capacity to learn new things and and take, you know, ways of doing things forever all, and always and doing them differently. And I think to me, at least, that's where it's different, where it, it has that richness and that wholeness in it that um, that we can lead different lives. And just before we kind of move into the, the next discussion, um, I am currently on a journey within the Enneagram Prison Project, which you and I talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, phenomenal program that looks at, you know, how people can see what's right about them 
how they can understand what their self-worth. We're talking, you know, incarcerated individuals, understand their self-worth, understand even what their sense of self is. Uh, defense mechanisms, right? Um, proclivities to addiction, all of those things that may have been part of their story to where and why they ended up, but that it doesn't have to end there. Mm-hmm. We don't see the Clifton Strengths prison project, right? Like, in it, and that's for a reason. It's because mm-hmm. of what we get to learn about ourselves and how we can take that and, and, Reparent ourselves, retrain ourselves to be a more whole, full version. So, for anybody out there listening, you know, like Steph said, it doesn't mean you can't have a little bit of fun with it. Um, we we do, you know. I, there there was a um, a meme about like the house that each type lived in, and okay. um, do, do you, have you seen that one? I'm sure I've seen something similar. Probably. But there is one and for the type seven, it was a camper and it's not it's not wrong. But not every type seven wants to live in a camper and not every type seven is an extrovert um, or does random acts of gymnastics like that's just not how we are. So it's fun. Enjoy it. But I think my advice, at least, would be it's way more than that. It's way deeper. And when you learn that stuff, it's a little uncomfortable, squishy, gross but transformative. Yeah. And I I also love to think of it as just a curiosity building tool, like getting really curious about yourself, getting really curious about um, what is true of you. Because Mm -hmm. when inevitably, I mean, these are archetypes that we're talking about, actually. Like when we actually talk about what the Enneagram is, rather than type, we're talking, talking about archetypes, which means that there's this assumption baked in that not every person is going to identify 100% with everything that is said about that specific type. Yes. And so I always tell people like, okay, if this isn't true of you, like get really curious. There are specific things where I'm like, okay, if this part isn't true, then maybe we need to relook at your type uh, and see what type you actually are. But a lot of the stuff, it's like, okay, if that's not true of you, what is true of you? Like, how can you get really curious about that? Or is it actually not true of you? Or is it just a blind spot, you know? So kind of going into that, and I think one thing that really irks me is when people are like, oh, well, I'm a healthy blah, blah, blah. I've talked (laughs) about this. This is a soapbox of mine. I've talked about it on my Instagram before. Um, And the reason I don't like it is, one, it it kind of is the assumption that, you know, you can just become like healed or fixed or whatever, like that there's this end point. But actually, even when we, you know, you and I have both done these different you know, programs where we're sitting with these Enneagram greats, basically, um, and hearing them talk about like, oh, actually, I trip up on this every day. Like, mm-hmm. I just notice it faster now. Um, where it's this light, the expectation is it's a lifelong journey rather than this specific destination and then you're fixed and then you're healed and, and whatever. Um, and then the other thing I think that I don't like about that is, is that... Um, it kind of assumes that you are somehow more worthy if you're more healthy. Yes. And I just don't believe that. I think that, you know, we all have this sense of inherent, you know, worth and goodness in us already. So um, that's my soapbox. And you didn't ask for it, but there it is. Well, I will say, um, and again, for everybody who's listening, please go to at nine types co find that video and save it because it's really important. It's it's one that's most memorable to me for that reason. Like, And when we come, we're not ready for commercial yet, but when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about the types of, um, I'm sorry, the, the levels of health and development. Regardless, our goal is not to be in the highest level because we can't. That's not sustainable. And then exactly like you said, it's not, what is that saying? Um, life isn't a, or no, it's it's the, the journey and not the destination. I should know that. That's like my life's mantra. <laughs> I should absolutely know that. But um, but but that's like what you're speaking to. It's not about getting to this space where you know everything about yourself and you're able to control everything. What it is, is that ability to see it, pause, question, is this really how I, I want to show up? Is this, you know, what is getting in my way or tripping me up? And then make a decision around how you do it better, different next time, if you if you notice it next time. But it's really that mm-hmm. self-awareness and just seeing it. Like, you know, I'll give an example for myself. 
Uh, when you have a talk radio show, you have to be really cognizant of these things. But my inclination is to jump right in and start talking. And I'm excited, right? I want to I wanna have um, something meaningful to say. That's not okay to do that and cut people off. And, and it wasn't until I started reading those kinds of things about my communication style that I was like, mm-hmm. um, Nikki, write that down. We have to work. That doesn't mean that I don't do it often yeah. or, or occasionally, but it, what I can tell you, 1,000% of the time, a little light bulb goes off in my head that says, shut shut up, Nick. <laughs> right now is not the time to be interjecting. And so I think, um, yeah, that's that's been something that has um, really resonated with me. So mm-hmm. um, for you, though, I just want to ask you, in doing this work, um, has there been any, and you're a type three, right? Mm-hmm. We have just two minutes, so we'll try to go through this quickly. Has there been any kind of like realization for you? Oh my gosh, so many. But I think that the thing that came to mind when you were saying that is that 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 doubling down on the image thing can shoot me in the foot so often. I've worked really hard on the emotional side. So I feel like I'm a lot more connected there. But the image thing is still something that I'm working toward and saying like, oh, actually, I'm not serving my clients well if I'm that concerned about my image. Mm. And that's the thing I actually care about. So how can I, you know, re-address or, or, or readjust in order to to serve them well, um, knowing who I am? I love that. Yeah. And I, you know, even though I'm a, a seven, that does resonate with me. I feel for a while I thought I was mistyped two as a, well, mistyped as a three, not two as mm-hmm. anyhow. That resonates a lot with me. And it's, it's taking a step back and thinking about, um, you know, more than ourselves. I think we were just talking about some, um, realizations that we've had about ourselves. Um, and Steph shared, uh, hers around, you know, dropping her image and being able to be um, more authentic in her relationships and and, um, interactions. And I think um, I just wanted to share mine quickly before we move into the next, because it's been pretty profound in my life. So um, my um, spirit animal is uh, Britney Spears. And uh, there is an album with the smash hit circus is the name of the song. And it goes a little something like this. Uh, There's only two types of people in this world, the ones who entertain and the ones who observe. Well, baby, I'm a put a show, put on a show kind of gal. Don't like the backseat. Got to go first. End quote. And that, while funny because it's Britney Spears, really sticks out to me in a very deeply resonating way. So my whole life. I have felt like I had to perform for people, be on, be up. I will absolutely and 1000% do cartwheels on demand. I was sharing with Steph earlier. I cartwheeled into an open elevator while I was at work because somebody triple dog dared me and I wasn't going to turn it down. Um, All jokes aside, that feeling of upness, of having to be on, of having to make people laugh. It is absolutely inherently part of who I am. But let me tell you something. I get tired. I get tired like everybody else does. I have days where I'm exhausted. I have days where I don't want to, I don't want to tell the story. I don't want to be on the fun committee. I don't want to do those things. And so learning about myself in this capacity, I learned that it's okay to be silent. It's okay to not be the one who has to fill the silence. I also learned. And we will be talking about this much more in depth when we talk about the type seven. Um, but I learned that the reason I do that is because I want other people to feel comfortable so I don't feel uncomfortable. So that mm-hmm. feeling of pain, of boredom, of discomfort, of someone not having a good time meant that I always had to, to do those kinds of things. And living in a camper, having this pandemic, being separated from those kinds of spaces have allowed me to sit, to read, to be quiet, to be okay in that stillness. And that, you know, it it may not seem like much, but in my life, it has been 
this other side of me that I've never gotten to explore before and feel and really appreciate. And so for me, that was like this aha moment. And every type has this different aha that they go through when they start doing this work. But all I can tell you before we move into this next um, question, it changed my life. And, and I know that I can be Nikki fun and Nikki relax. And that has been just an incredible space to be in. Yeah, that is really, truly incredible work. And I know if any other sevens are listening, they're like, how did she do it? Because um, I do think that that move is is incredibly difficult, especially because for the seven, it you know, those those typical behaviors, those patterns serve you really well, you know? Yeah. And so it can be hard to unhook from from that desire to be that person, especially when other people are relying on it. And that's exactly it. So many people rely on it. And I've had people ask me, you know, or no, not not ask me, sorry, have said, Nikki, I, I can tell your fake laugh from your real laugh, mm. which is really exposing, by the way, because I don't think I'm doing I'm not like like <laughs> just trying to to laugh for whatever reason. But but when people can tell, then I'm like, but you're not doing what you really like, what people see of you and expect of you or want from you. And then why do it? Right. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it, it, it's hard. It's not comfortable. Um, I've had a therapist for many years tell me that I needed to learn to sit in my feelings. And I'm like, what, uh, what does that mean? <laughs> how does yeah. how does one do that? So yeah, it's been a lot of this like discomfort, but that's the whole point, right? Mm-hmm. Um, this time is just rapid flying, so I want to take a little bit of time to talk about what what we would maybe call like the shades of the types, or you know what makes us all kind of different. And I think you know you had teed it up a little bit before the commercial break, talking about how we have these different levels of development or levels of health. Um, now, for those listening, there are nine levels. That has nothing to do with the nine types. There's just nine <laughs> and nine, and let's just keep using nine. But each of these different levels represent behaviors that we might exhibit at certain levels, right? We have healthy behaviors when we're in a, a healthy space. That's levels one, two, and three. We have our average levels um, when we're um, like our home base, for lack of a better term, right? Four, five, and six. And then some really not great stuff and really unhealthy behaviors happen at seven, eight, and nine. Um, what do you think, how do you use those levels of development? What do you think is the most important part, aside from what you mentioned earlier? Because I think every single one of you needs to favorite that video because it's so true about not reaching and being. And all of a sudden, I'm an enlightened human when I get to one, mm-hmm. right? That's not how it works. Mm-hmm. But what do you think, um, how do you use those levels of development? How are they important to you? Yeah, it's interesting. Um, Well, I will preface this by saying there are so many different schools of thought on the Enneagram because, you know, there are different teachers and everything. And it's interesting because I actually use a different, you know, format, which is called levels of awareness. Um, I learned from Beatrice Chestnut and Aranio Pais. They, um, I'm, I'm in their program. And so... I've learned a bit of a different approach there, but there is some similarity, some some crossover. Um, and what I find is that when we don't use either of these models, you know, when we don't like look at these at things this way, um, I think it's easy for us to assume that naturals like where we just are in general um, in life is in that healthy space. Mm. Um, And we forget that, you know, a lot of the stereotypical behaviors of our types are in those average spaces. And a lot of us like kind of bump around in that area a lot. Um, But I do see it as more fluid in general um, where, you know, there might be days or seasons where you are, you know, a a bit more healthy and, and like really exhibiting those behaviors. And then, um, seasons where you're not. And I don't mm-hmm. know if that's always a bad thing, but what I do really like about that levels of awareness model or um, levels of health model is the red flag warnings. Yes. Um, so like seeing when like, okay, I know for me, 
you know, and I try to get my my coaching clients to identify what this looks like for them in particular. Yep. Like, what does it look like when I am about to to drop down there? You know, what are the things that I can kind of see coming? Like, what are the antecedents or like the precursors? Um, And not saying that we always have to like diagnose ourselves or like change ourselves or morph or shift, but just to have that awareness of like, okay, knowing what I need before I actually like desperately need it is going to be way more helpful than trying to repair things afterward. Especially if we, you know, maybe we tend to really disrupt or um, damage relationships when we're in those lower levels. Um, then, you know, we want to, we want to get in front of that, right? We want to like figure that out beforehand. So, um, yeah, that's just something that I think about when I, when I think about that, but I'm curious to hear how, how you use them because it sounds like you use that specific model a bit more. Yeah. And thank you. Um, so a couple of things, I, what you're talking about, the red flag fears, I, I live probably too much and I won't apologize for it, but I live in a world of analogies. And so the way that I look at the red flag fears and and before that, we have our awareness jumpstart, right, where we kind of um, can see can get the little ting. It's my stop sign. So like when I feel that awareness jumpstart where I'm starting to move down, it's me seeing a stop sign coming and I might do something like press the brake. Uh, I might, you know, make sure I have pressed the brake soon enough. The red flag is when you get where you're looking at your phone or doing something you shouldn't and you see that stop sign and you slam on your brakes and it's like, oh, my God, it's right there. And to your point, the ability to sort of like take any action up until that is gone. Um, so I use that analogy and I, I love that you called out the red flag fear because I think it's really important. In the prison project, we were um, introduced to a phenomenal uh, but super simple check in with ourselves and it's being above the line or below the line right and so when we are above the line we are in a space where we're curious we're present we're aware we're open we are kind of taking everything in and 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 things are all right we can be right on the line where we're <laughs> we're moving up and down i was on the line this whole week getting ready for the mm-hmm. show because mm-hmm. not in a bad way it was just it was exciting, but at the same time, terrifying, and then really exciting and just riding that line. When we go below the line, that's when our triggers happen, our defense mechanisms, we are closed, we are not present. And so I think, you know, for me, at least when I look at that and ask myself, am I above the line? Am I in that healthier, mentally or emotionally healthier, or am I below the line? But to your point, being below the line doesn't have to, it's not a bad thing. Like it's just an awareness point. Like, so I can take that. And, um, let's say as an example, um, my husband asked me to empty the dishwasher and I forgot. <laughs> like, and I, I'm feeling a little bit defensive or I didn't go pick up dog poop or something that he asked me to do. Um, I can say, Nick, you're a little below the line right now. It may not behoove you to start an argument or if I have a decision that I have to make, like knowing that I'm in that space is an opportunity to say, I can I can make that decision later. You know, if there are things that I know that I can do to pull myself back to presence that are, again, genuine and authentic, then, OK, go ahead and do that. But but really, it's about recognizing that and then saying, I may not be in the best space to do some of these things. And when you think about like any, really anything, relationships, parenting, um, being in in a leadership capacity, if I have to have a difficult conversation with someone about their performance or something, if I'm below the line, how effective am I being, right? And the answer is not. So, so yeah, and, and you're so right. And I think that's also an important call out as well, um, that, we, um, I totally lost my, oh no, it came back. It came back. There are a lot of, the Enneagram is really old. And so there are a lot of different variations and ways in which we learn a lot of the stuff. Terms are called different things. So it's some people call it levels of health, levels of awareness, um, emotional development. We have, you know, core fears. We have basic fears. We have all of these different terms. The crux of it is really exactly the dialogue that we're having. It's just about being able to see 
how you're showing up, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we have about 10 minutes. So we're going to get to one more <laughs> um, before we'll be able to take callers. So I think um, with that, man, there's so much. Is there anything you f- you want to cover that you feel is really important to this dialogue? Well, I do think it's helpful for me to remember that you are going to be going into each of the types in depth. So like we keep talking around it, but just saying that, you know, there are these nine types and and they're really important. And also, um, I just would love for people to keep in mind that, you know, it's it's not about um, what you do, but why you do it. And when we're looking at what your type is. and there are certain things, of course, that behaviorally show up differently. So levels of health, we've also alluded a little bit to subtypes. And I hope that that your listeners are, are curious about that. It's one of my favorite ways to look at the Enneagram. Um, but it, it really is looking more specifically at your type um, in a way that can be really clarifying and actually lays out a specific growth path for you. And that's something that I really want people to keep in mind. And I love to to instill that with my clients too. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I absolutely love that. And I think you are a billion percent right. That is a rough estimate, um, mathematically correct as well. <laughs> that the the subtypes, uh, God, if I wished for anything today, aside from winning the lottery, it would be um, that we had time to talk about the subtypes because, yeah. you know, one of the questions that I had teed up was around, like, if you were to learn the Enneagram over again, what would you like, what would you want to focus on or spend more time on? And I don't think for me, at least, I didn't pay enough attention to how important the subtypes were because they felt like they were such a, a sidebar to the the structure of the Enneagram itself. But the truth of the matter, and yes, you're right, we are going to spend time going into those different um, subtypes and and have more time to talk about what they are. But that really, for me at least, between that and our levels of awareness and health is the most important part because it shows how each of us show up different, but what we value, right? What we value and how that's tied to why we do what we do from a survival perspective, mm-hmm. right? So I'm really glad you called that out. Um, with that, we do want to take the opportunity to have some callers. We have a fun little bit, uh, questions around the campfire. So cozy on up. All the mosquitoes are still away, at least for me. I'm in Wisconsin, so there aren't mosquitoes. There are. There are always mosquitoes, but um, not for this bit. So um, oh, it looks like we are waiting on some callers. So, okay. So I have a question teed up here. So um, Jenny had wrote in, and I think this is a great question. Um, can I change types over time or can I be two types? So what do you think? I see this all the time. <laughs> I see this exact question all the time. Um, okay, so here's what's probably happening. Normally, I encounter this when people go online, they type in an Agram quiz and they take a quick test. And then a few years later, they do the same thing again. And people who even honestly, like if you talk with people who've even created those tests, they will say the same thing is to look at your top three, four results, if that's the way you want to do it and read deeper about those. See what resonates. See what's really uncomfortable, not what you want to be true, but what feels really kind of icky about it. That is a good cue for you. So that's the first thing I'll say. Um, second thing is that you can't be two types. There are some theories that get around this, you know, that that wiggle around it, like tri-types and things like that. And of course, right. we're throwing out all of this jargon. Um, but we we do want to kind of keep in mind that there is one core driving motivation. And the problem with trying to, you know, be like, oh, I'm this and this and this and this and this is that how are you going to actually move forward? And how are you going to know when you're moving forward right. if you can't focus in on and do the actual real work and, and get really curious about how your specific type is impacting you? I will also say that if you 
go beyond the type level to the subtype level. And I know we keep alluding to this thing and, and there's, there's just so much more to learn. And I wish we had, you know, five hours to talk about it, but that's where you can get more clarity because typically people, for example, if somebody is, you know, uh, a self-preservation seven, for example, they might mistype as a three for a long time. And then it might take some work for them to, to figure out their true type. So Oh, I wish I had more time to talk about it. But yes, th- those are my my uh, my basic answers to that question. I love that. And it looks like we do have a caller. So we have Emily. Emily, what is your question? And thank you for calling in. Yes. Hello, ladies. Um, my name is Emily and I am calling in from Minnesota. And I would consider myself an Enneagram noob. Um, but I do know that I am a type six. So I really am looking forward to listening on that episode. But I recently accepted a new role um, that I will start in May. And, you know, I am feeling super excited about it, but also find myself questioning it and if it was the right move and if I will do um, really, really well at the role. Um, So I was just curious if you guys had any advice for a type six as I prepare for jumping into this new role. and. Um, maybe how I can better understand why I might be feeling nervous about it. That is a wonderful question. Steph, what do you think? Oh, I would say, I mean, I'm so curious to hear what you think, of course, but I would just say you're already more prepared than you think you are. Um, That's the one thing that I really want sixes to know a lot of the time um, is that you're more prepared than you think you are you have all of the skills and capability that you need. And I just see so often sixes selling themselves short with that and being like, oh, you know, just casually like, oh, I might know a little bit about this. And I'm like, wait, you have a PhD in that, right? Like that that dynamic (laughs) that comes up. And so um, trust yourself in your own preparation and remember the times when you've gotten into a situation and you couldn't quite figure it out. Like you... You were really unsure what was going to happen, but you figured it out anyway. Remember that. Remember how capable you are by remembering those times um, and using those kind of as a model to prove to yourself, you know, you ha- you've got the evidence there that that you can you can figure this out. Yeah, I love that. It was, yeah. um, as they say, like butter. That was good. I like that a lot. <laughs> um, but but I, I echo that and I, I joke all the time. My husband is a six. He's the reason that we are alive, because if everything were left up to me, the camper would not have been fully connected to the vehicle before we left for our next trip. We we like I wouldn't have put things away. Like We wouldn't take pads or trips that had high enough bridges like these are not things I think of. And to your point, exactly. And again, something I love that I've learned in the prison project. All of those those things that we have that sort of give us pause, whatever that 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 blind spot might be, comes from an intelligent place. It comes from something that has protected us and helped us survive up until this point. And so we we honor what it teaches us and in what you said about you are ready, you are prepared. Our inclination is to keep taking it a little bit further because we get away from ourselves a little bit. And so for the six to feel like they don't have enough or they're not trusting or ready or like tr- trusting of themselves, really. Right. And and I think, um, Emily, that is such a great question that speaks to the intelligence that you possess and you are ready and you are going to do incredible. And you just have to um, let the process unfold and um lean into to the wonderful things that happen and see that as it comes. So all the sixes at home are like, no, you're wrong. <laughs> right. Right. But secretly thinking like, ooh, you might have a point. No, I loved I loved your um description of that. And I think that is very sage advice. So um with that, we have just a few minutes left. Um quickly, Dave had written in asking about a piece of advice uh, for anybody who's doing camping full-time. And all I'm going to say is, because I could talk about this too for 12 hours, you don't need everything that you think you need. Life is about adventure. It's not about stuff. 
you will learn along the way. It's not always pretty. Have fun. And and the only regret that I had up until this point is that we didn't do it sooner. So yeah, yeah. Thank you, Dave. But yeah. uh, so with that, um, Steph, I want people to be able to uh, get a hold of you. How how can they find you um, yeah. and connect? And what do you what do you got for everybody? Yeah, well, um, follow me on Instagram. That's where you'll find everything that I offer. But um, yeah, I offer team trainings. I I have a master's degree in organizational communication and leadership. So, and all these Enneagram things. So if you want to bring the Enneagram into your team, I offer that. Coaching, typing interviews. Um, I also have courses. So I, I have like a, just a wide range of ways that you can keep learning about the Enneagram in a way that's practical and applicable because that's the thing that I really care about. So follow me on Instagram. You'll hear everything about that. Um, or check out my website, which is ninetypes.co. And I think that's it. Thanks so much for having me. This has oh, been really gosh. fun. This was awesome. And the time went by so fast. It did. With that being said, thank you. This was awesome. Um, we have so much, so much, so much, so much cool stuff coming. Um, please, for everybody who's listening, join us next week. We'll be starting off with the Type 8 Challenger learning all of the deep, incredible, wonderful, strong um, things that our eights bring to our lives. So with that being said, thank you, Ennia fam. Stay curious, stay present. Life is an adventure. And until next time, see you then. Thanks so much for listening to Enneagram IRL. If you love the show, be sure to subscribe and leave us a rating and review. This is the easiest way to make sure new people find the show. And it's so helpful for a new podcast like this one. If you want to stay connected, sign up for my email list in the show notes or message me on Instagram at nine types co to tell me your one big takeaway from today's show. I'd love to hear from you. I know there are a million podcasts you could have been listening to, and I feel so grateful that you chose to spend this time with me. Can't wait to meet you right back here for another episode of Enneagram IRL very soon. The Enneagram in Real Life podcast is a production of Nine Types Co. LLC. It's created and produced by Stephanie Baron Hall with editing support from Brandon Hall and additional support from Crits Collaborations. Thanks to Dr. Dreamship for our amazing theme song, and you can also check out all of their music on Spotify.